Hello, sword people. This is Guy Windsor, also known as The Sword Guy. And I'm here today with Kurt Williams, also known as The Knight of Green, who is perhaps best known on the internet for his recreation of video game martial arts in a real world context, uh, which I'm sure is uh, a fascinating and unusual pursuit. So without further ado, Kurt, welcome to the show. What up, y'all? It's uh, great to be here, and thanks for having me. Um, uh, looking at what you're telling me about your background in martial arts, especially with HEMA, it's definitely um, an honor to be here to talk about my journey through it and you know, discuss what things we might have seen throughout looking at HEMA. <laughs> well, thank you. Now, just so we can orient everybody, whereabouts in the world are you? So currently, I am the United States of America. I'm around in the D.C. area. Okay. And so how did you get into sword stuff and what made you want to get started and how did that all happen? So I feel there's a combination of different things that influenced why I wanted to pick up um, swordsmanship. I would say the first big thing is that I'm a fan of Lord of the Rings and a lot of different like knight medieval types of settings and when it comes to media so always being inspired from looking at those movies and thinking wow I always wondered um how exactly they fought in a realistic type of context as well as um mm -hmm. I would like I would like to say that I would thank the game Demon's Souls so when I was a teenager that was um one of the first games I got when I um received a PS3 as a Christmas gift so both, I would say, like Lord of the Rings, fantasy, as well as that game in particular, sort of informed mm -hmm. me to want to pick up how real-world martial arts looked like at that time. So, for me, okay. I... Oh, yeah. Continue? Are you um, Okay. So, yeah, I was, just, I was just, just sort of nodding along in agreement. But, um, so, you're, you're interested in the real-world stuff. So, let's start with that. So, what, what historical martial arts do you practice, and, and how did that come about? So primarily, I study Lichtenhauer's series on longsword, and that mm -hmm. came up because um, in the area that I lived in, there is um, a longsword school, um, Capital Kunstdefechen, and yep. applied to um, some of the free classes about two, three years ago, somewhere around that timeline. And um, I only really applied because about ten, like I would say, about ten years ago, I just looked at um, secondary sources on sort of like how to fight with a longsword, but. I really wanted to get the full-on physical experience with other people who've been doing it for longer. So that's when I actually joined um, that group. And I just sort of found it on the internet one day and just walked in for the free classes and then just applied. And, and I guess the history from there is <laughs> written right now. <laughs> okay. So you, you train, you're still train with Capital Consulfectin? Yes, I still do. But during okay. this time period, since it's really coronavirus uh, stuff, yep. um, they haven't really done a lot of physical stuff. It's mostly like online um, seminars. So recently, um, a few days ago, we were doing a seminar talking about the different um, types of violence. So like asocial versus social violence. Sure. Or, um, sort of just like with the intent. So like, are you in a dual setting? Are you just trying to exert sort of your social hierarchy versus... Um, yeah in a situation where you're, um, I guess, on the battlefield where it's just basically survive. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's really important to understand the context in which you're trying to, in which the art you're practicing is, is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. So, like, a, a, a dueling art may not be very helpful on a battlefield, or it might, depending on, on what the battlefield actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, 
um, sorry, my screens all just suddenly went blank and I was like, oh crap, has everything just crashed? But no, it was just the screen going to sleep. <laughs> so, um, so and, and I might edit that out or I might just leave it in for, you know, authenticity. Right. Okay. So the, I mean, the, I came across you because I think on Twitter or something, I just came across a video of this bloke wearing interesting looking armor charging around in the garden doing reconstructions of something from a video game. And I, I don't play video games, so I, I'm completely at a loss as to the context. But I thought that's that's a sword type thing that I just haven't encountered before. <laughs> so I had to get I had to get you on the show to find out what it's all about. Right. This, this is the great thing about running your own podcast is you can invite whoever you want and you can talk about whoever you want and you just cross your fingers and you hope the listeners like it. So tell me, Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is this all about? What exactly are you doing when I see you on videos uh, doing extraordinary things with swords? Um, the thing that I wanted to do was um, when I really started getting into HEMA and sort of looking at, okay, this is how you actually fight with these types of weapons and this is what actually happened, I sort of got disgruntled when it came to fictional media's interpretation of, say, nightly combat. And so I thought to myself, well... If I do this in a real-life context and show kind of how ridiculous it would look, it, sure, it would sort of um, inspire people to want to look at, well, how would you actually fight with this? So it's kind of like okay. that goofy element of sort of, well, you know, it looks cool in game, but if you were to try to do this in real life, it would look absolutely uh, horrendously impractical. <laughs> so it's, kind of right. it's like um, it's sort, of, sort of shedding light on the fact that, okay, you watch a movie in a sword duel and you see someone doing this spinning triple cartwheel and then you're like well let me do that in real life this is how goofy it looks so it's sort of the um sort of expose that fake idea of what mm-hmm. a martial arts is and then frame mm-hmm. it back on the context of well this is how you would do it so if i were to correct this this is how you would do this and not you know throw your life away doing something absolutely uh, <laughs> yeah and and if i may say it was that element that made me think i want to talk to him <laughs> um, if, if, if you if you were just if you were just doing the prancing around in your garden um you know and and there was nothing else to it it'd have been like well i'm sure he's having fun but i'm not particularly interested but it's because there's that element of uh educating people on the difference between fantasy and reality that's what really piqued my interest so could you maybe take a specific example and and talk us through i mean i know it'd be easier on video but this is a podcast so we work with what mm-hmm. we've got Oh, that's fine. So um, a specific example is when looking at um, my identity, so the icon that I use, the helmet that's chosen is a character called Warden from the game For Honor. He um, okay. was a longsword specialist. And mm-hmm. the funny thing about um, this character, which is the absolutely ridiculous thing, is despite the fact that he has a longsword, he avoids doing things like proper thrusting and in fact, the most common moves is he actually shoulder checks people. So imagine you're in a hockey um, ring and you yeah. have a longsword, but instead of uh, using your longsword for proper thrusting and spacing, you just um, charge shoulder first into an opponent's weapon. Or <laughs> that, 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 Yeah, that's not going to work. So um, it's sort of the fact that this game, For Honor, it, it does some things well in terms of... Um, I guess, showing how, like, a simplistic version of, okay, when you're defending yourself in a sword fight, you have to be able to have the reaction to move in different directions 
to sort of parry or deflect certain attacks. Like, sure, that's all right, but then there's the fantasy element of spinning and um, doing ridiculous leaps and lunges. So that's sort of the identity that I brought in sort of, because in that game, they do have some historical things like murder strokes or mort house as well as half sorting. So there's some good elements that they borrow from that. So that's why I sort of borrowed it and sort of um, made that my identity because it's like, there's some good nuggets here, but then there's some ridiculous things. So it's like pointing out what I say is good. What I say is bad. So Mm -hmm. That's definitely what I'm looking at. <laughs> okay. So now I've actually done a little bit of work on a video game project that never actually went anywhere. Mm-hmm. I've done the motion capture thing and, you know, advised on how fights progress and that sort of thing. And it's really clear from that experience that mm-hmm. the one thing that games can't really replicate is the the way blades interact. Yes. So how, how do you deal with that? Um, so with the type of combat that I really look at, I haven't really looked at anything that's specific on blade binding, um, so to speak. So when, when thinking about like looking at stuff like that, um, I know there's some games that try to do like a very static version of it where it's sort of like you have the blades interlocked and you have to um, adjust sort of, I mean, it's very artificial, but <laughs> I haven't really looked at anything particular when it comes to blade binding. I'm looking at more so uh, strikes and thrusts, so like the individual like entry into... Um... Oh, sorry, my kid's screaming. Um, it's just it's sort okay. of <laughs> looking at sort of like how you would enter a fight or what type of motions you would do. I haven't really looked at binding that much. I do want to do that more so in person when I have people um, to show, like, okay, this is what you might do to counter this type of thing. Um, this is what you do if someone um, attacked in this fashion. So I haven't really looked at too much in that, but that's something I want to look into. Okay. And um, I imagine that it's extremely hard work doing all these cartwheels and things. Yeah. So how do you train? Hmm? How do you train? Oh, so... When it comes, so you're talking about for the specific video stuff, or how do I train in real life? Both. Um, so specifically for the video content of recreating the video game martial arts, um, how I pretty much train is I go to different um, athletic gyms. So I'm trying to think what's the best term. Um, gymnastics gym. That's the term that I'm looking for. Okay. I go to yeah. gymnastics gyms and I practice sort of um, like cartwheeling, flipping and stuff. I'm not really the most um, like agile person when it comes to sort of that whole parkour aspect when it comes to gaming things, but I took the time to learn certain things. So for example, I spent about three months just um, getting a front flip and like different types of um, twists and stuff pretty decent for me right. to feel comfortable doing in camera. And yeah, it's just it's a lot of um, experimentation and playing with, okay, well, how well can I do this on this? on this? And, <laughs> okay, what, what things do I want to fudge a little bit? So, like, and, you know, explain, like, you know, this is not, this type of momentum you cannot do without, like, extraordinary height and stuff like that. So right. bringing that to the table for that is definitely something I like looking at. But for real world, um, you know, tournament sparring and fights, for me, um, I train about two hours when I'm actually in a physical class, but I would say about an hour and a half physically. So I just basically drill um, basic attacks because from what I, from what I've understand from what I've actually been in fights, it's whoever knows the basic fundamentals and has that down pack 
they're actually the ones that win. So, for example, I can practice a lot of fancy techniques. I do, I do know a decent amount of, in my repertoire, but knowing the basics, so having good position and good footwork for basic strikes will keep you safe in most things. So, for example, I come at somebody with um, a simple diagonal downwards cut. If my footwork is off or if I'm not balanced or um, my hip rotation is not proper, then someone who knows how to exploit that can just blast through me. Right. So yeah. it's a lot of basic stuff, but when it's mostly I do basic stuff, so basic strikes, basic footwork, um, basic movement. But when I'm with people, so that's like about twice a week. That well, that was before um, the epidemic. So about twice a week, that's when I actually do, um, you know, people sparring and sort of working with. Okay, now that I have the basic mechanics, now let's try to apply it to with a real person. So when we get in a bind, okay who's on top, what do what do they know to get out of it or to put themselves in a better position. And, yeah, so unfortunately I have two times a week to do actual person-on-person sparring and, like, blade work, but I try to make um, the rest of the week more meaningful to what I do. Sure. I, I have a saying you might like. Advanced technique is basic technique done really, really well. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. That's been my experience. It, yeah, getting the footwork right, getting the mechanics right makes all the difference. And at the end of the day, the fancy stuff is just simple stuff done in sequence. Yeah, I can agree it with always that. Break, yeah, it breaks down to one or two, you know, a, a few simple actions. Um, okay, so what are your main research interests outside of the games? Are you actually researching Lichtenauer or what have you? Um, so the big thing that I am researching when it comes to just Lichtenhauer fencing is mm-hmm. um, essentially just to have um, a background information on certain techniques. So if I were to see something in a game and say, well, what is this most related to in terms of um, real world? So if someone does like a somersault, okay, well, we're not really going to be somersaulting in real life, but what types of like, say, overhead strikes that best resemble this sort of motion? And sort of, okay, I can translate this flip action in, so it might be a low, um, a parry to, um, like, say someone's attacking for your leg, it might be a low parry to um, a wind back overhead to a head chop. So sort of, mostly just looking at it to try to, like, <laughs> like take, the, take the pieces and try to, like, translate to something that's usable. That's the big thing that I'm looking for um, research for. But also, I would say outside of just that, um, <laughs> it's sort of a pretty selfish intent, but sort of, okay, well, what type of things will I commonly see in fencing tournaments? I know when it comes to that, it's a lot of gamification of sort of real-world fights, but I feel that tournament sparring is one of the best replicas we can realistically make, like, safely, without shots. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I do study um, in terms of, okay, well, what would I commonly see? How would I apply these? What are some very odd things, like, for example, I had a Fiore instructor come in and show us a few things and be like, well, this is what my school does. So if you see us do these things at tournaments, then <laughs> beware. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, a bit of cross training is a good idea. And, and seeing other ways of doing things is always, always helpful. Um, now, we all have things we know we ought to be doing more of. So what should you be adding to your own training, do you think? Oh, the big thing that I'm doing that I'm adding now that I'm going to be working more is I'm definitely trying to monitor more so calorie intake and sort of maintaining my weight and fitness because I'm not okay. um, the most fit person. I'm not like terribly overweight. I'm a bit overweight. So I'm trying to right. lose at least, I would say about 40 pounds for me to be a little bit um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm decently nimble on my toes, but, you know, shedding off any pounds will make it so you can move faster and it's less strain on joints. So that's the big thing that I'm working on because, yeah, again, I want to be able to do this for longer and not have any serious sports-related injuries from doing it. So that's – I know that's probably less of what are specifics to, I guess, long sword training, but I think athleticism is a bigger part in martial arts than most people that I've talked to give it credit for. Well, I mean, to be sure, at the end of the day, it, every serious competition fighter or in, in any style, mixed martial arts or whatever, I mean, you've never, you never see – unfit boxers winning well <laughs> right <laughs> i mean yeah I mean, but I, there's at least one there's one mixed martial arts guy i can't remember his name who is definitely chubby mm-hmm. but you couldn't you couldn't say he was unfit because mm-hmm. he gets in the ring and he can still do it after like you know, he's 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 still in there after you know, 10 rounds in and mm-hmm. if, that, if that was me i'd have died of exhaustion after, after <laughs> the first round um so yeah, I, I I would agree. Fitness and sort of general health considerations are really important. And to be sure, like the best thing I ever did for my pull-ups record was I lost twenty pounds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it made such a difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so okay, um, so tell me about. I mean, you, you do a lot of the tournament stuff. Tell me about your thoughts on protective equipment, because pretty much everyone I talk to about this has a strong opinion on the subject. So, um, so feel free to rant. You don't have to hold back. We can always edit it out if you if you feel you've gone too far. But how, how do you feel about the available equipment and what would you like to see done better? Um, so with what I do, it's a lot of localized stuff. It's nothing, um, international just yet, but I was looking at some of the, um, international recommendations for some of the jackets as well as, um, sort of the gauntlets and things that you would bring. I'm definitely not in the same bracket in order to compete on internationally. So, um, I feel I'll have to invest more in that, but currently I'm looking at, uh, well, what I have right now is currently I'm a 350, um, N spez heavy jacket with different plastic platings on the forearm and elbows um personally i mean i think it's fine for um i would say medium high intensity stuff because what we do with our long swords is we put rubber tips on them so it helps decrease that i wear a lot of layers especially um um my neck protection because that I would imagine how many times my windpipe would have been absolutely devastated without some of these things but Okay. Um, I would say personally, when it comes to like, are you saying like more so recommendations or how I feel about it? Um, I, w- I would just say, you know, it depends on how much you want to go for, but I would always recommend people to have at least hand, forearm, elbow protection, um, knee protection. If you have it, like, you know, I don't have anything specifically HEMA, but I use like, um, motocross stuff for um, knee protection. But, um, I would say if you're definitely going for, like, big international stuff, look at, like, their recommendations and stuff. I'm not really a big expert on looking at that. But um, definitely head, forearm, hands, um, joints, anything that you have, and just, you know, ask the person that you're sparring with what level of intensity you want, and just be mindful that if they don't have protection, like, for example, um, if I was fighting with someone that's, like, this is their first day and they don't have a jacket, um, they don't want me to skewer them in their stomach or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, on that. Yeah. So I, I, you, I'm, I'm personally quite concerned about 
concussions through fencing masks because the fencing mask is not designed to deal with a longsword. It's designed to deal with a sports saver. So um, what are you using for your head? Um, I'm using, so actually let me pull up the helmet right now. Um, I'm using the helmet that comes from that. Let me actually look at the specifics of this one. I believe it is um, the same recommendations as that, but yeah, I know with the back of the head, um, that's definitely a big concern because they don't want you to do things like um, pommel strikes or murder strokes because the yeah fencing masks are definitely not and even even um what was it um simple strikes is not like too much. I definitely think that that's like um slow sparring stuff. But I know I was talking to someone who was doing harness fencing. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they were telling me more so about okay, what type of setup do you need to have the ability to take more so head hits. Um, I haven't really had too much problems, but that's also probably because um, I haven't really done anything that's like terribly, I would say, strenuous where people were actually mm-hmm. trying to knock me out. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would have to have more because I've only done a handful of local things and they're pretty particular with how they are. I can't really say too much okay. on it. So, yeah, just being quiet. Okay. All right. So what have been your main influences as a researcher and practitioner? Um, the main influences I would say would be, um, believe it or not, um, I have a friend who does, um, Nimpo and okay. he studies sort of the Japanese martial arts. He also does a little bit of things you'd find in MMA, like BJJ and a Muay Thai. So sort of his inspiration to me and how he, um, does his stuff. He also has a YouTube channel, um, what would ninjas do? And he, basically, <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great title. <laughs> what would ninjas do? That's brilliant. And what he does is it's, it's a little bit different uh, take on what I do. So what I do is I take video game martial arts and translate it to real life. What he does is he takes historical um, ninpo techniques and then sort of breaks down in how would you use them in a real world like street based context. So I'm guessing that sorry I'm guessing that most of my listeners don't know what ninpo is. Could you just define it for us? Okay, so when um, defining ninpo. The best way that I can really describe it from what he's told me is it's sort it's a Japanese martial arts designed for um, the ninja, shinobi, whichever term you prefer. And it's right. less of just a martial art and it's more of a way of thinking as it's described mm-hmm. to me. So it's sort of a lifestyle thing. So, for example, he would say, well, you know, while there is in a modern day context, we would focus on sort of self-defense and um, keeping yourself alive in certain scenarios But it's also a mindset of, okay, can you um, survey situations and sort of avoid the fight and gather information that you need to bring to the right people? So it's it's interesting how he describes it. Um, I would have to ask him for more information on it, but he essentially describes it as mostly um, an art that's designed for gathering information and using it to disseminating. It's sort of of like um, if you know anything about like Batman and DC Universe, how... Uh, the, the common uh, trope with them is Batman with preparation and defeat pretty much anything. It's like that's <laughs> it's the best way I can explain it in very simplistic terms. Okay. Okay. So he's he's doing what would ninjas do? All right, Carol. Sorry, I interrupted you. So please continue. Oh no, no, that, that's fine. Yeah. What? Yeah. What would ninjas do? That's him. Um, I'm working on him today, uh, with him today later on afterwards because um, I'm actually trying to um, bridge the gap between what he does and what I um, do. 
So we're um, working on streaming different games and breaking down the martial arts and stuff because there's a game coming out called Ghost of uh, Tsushima. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. And I got him invested in it. So he would want to do basically what I do, except for a game that's focusing on Japanese martial arts. Oh, cool. That should be really interesting. Okay. So you're currently, I mean, you've got to remember, I, I don't actually play any of these games, so I'm entirely oh, ignorant. Yeah. Um, although I have, I have a friend who, I was staying at a friend's house in Helsinki, and she had this one of the Assassin's Creed games on, mm-hmm. um, the one with the ships. Yes. And she thought it would be really funny if I had a sword fight in a in a computer game. And so she said, okay, guy, here you go. And, and I had to like try and do the sword fight. And I basically just kept turning and bumping into the wall while the people who are supposed to be sword fighting just hacked me to pieces. <laughs> and being, being a kind and loving friend, she videoed this process and put it on the internet for all mm-hmm. my people, <laughs> all our friends to see. Um, so you're, you're currently working on... So what games are you most sort of interested in and what what sort of interesting things are you pulling out of them so the games that i'm currently working on are the Soulsborne series so that's um the term used for includes demons souls dark souls one two and three um bloodborne as well as i'm working on for honor stuff mm-hmm. um and whatever games that really come up i'm trying to sort of bounce back and forth and not be too focused because i've done a lot of work on those previous games but Okay. Um, the second part is you said, what do you take out of these games? Um, yeah. I would say the big thing that I take out of them is the fact that when looking at them, um, the movesets for a lot of things are pretty basic, but there's some nuggets that you can glean that are you know somewhat there. Like, for example, one game might have um, half-sorting thrust technique that's just kind of there. And you'd be like, oh, well, that's how you'd use it. So... I would say it sort of brings to light that when people, for example, would argue um, different things like, okay, what could you do in a real fight and say, well, you know, this is what happens in game, but this is how it looks in in real life. So sort of just pulling that aspect. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you is um, this is something that does interest me as well, is that you said you had work with um, doing mocap stuff for video game stuff. So um, I was definitely interested in that because I I was curious about – so if I were to take the skills that I have in mocap and then use that for um, at least to at least to make like better um, animations for certain attacks and stuff. So what was your experience like? Because I'm really curious to hear how that worked. Okay, well, basically what happened was uh, they were trying to produce a, a game that would be quite historically accurate. Mm-hmm. And so they got me, uh, it was in the basement of the Valve building in Seattle. Okay. Because the, we had all sorts of technical problems with the mocap stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if there was too much metal in the build, in the in the walls and floors around you, it kind of threw off the mocap signals or something. Mm-hmm. And so I you know, had the suits on, and they would ask me to do various things, and I would do various things with a partner or various things on my own. And the really fun thing was, I went back to do some more work with them about six months later, and I saw the image. The, the, the sort of clips that they were working with, like so, basically the, the characters doing the stuff on the screen, and I looked. And I was like, "That's not me." And they said, "No," because the problem was when I do something, it doesn't look like anything. The sword just goes, and I'm moving as little as possible to yeah. get from where I need to go to where 
you know, from where I am to where I need to go. I don't sort of bunch up my shoulders and wiggle my back before I strike. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and at one point they even had me actually hitting targets. Mm-hmm. You know, like one, one guy was holding a, like a punch bag thing and I was cutting it with a, with a blunt sword. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the chat was turning green because I was hitting quite hard because mm-hmm. they asked, they asked me to hit really hard. And, and, and this is all with the motion capture stuff on. And again, even that, it doesn't look like anything because if it looks like something, my opponent could see it coming and That's therefore what, do yeah. something about it. Right. So it kind of crystallized for me. There's a fundamental difference between um, combat designed to be watched for pleasure and combat designed to actually work. Um, which is why you, know, you have interesting rule sets in, well, judo, for example, you have to pin your opponent on their back. Whereas in the real world, when a, a police officer or a bouncer or whatever pins somebody to handcuff them, they pin them on their front. Because if mm-hmm. you're on your front, you can't use your arms and legs. And if you're on your back, you can. But pinning somebody on their back makes for a better fight to watch, not for yeah. a better fight to actually win. Mm-hmm. So you, you get these interesting... So it, it really highlighted for me the difference between combat as a visual entertainment mm-hmm. and combat as a way of overcoming actual opponents. See, um, I, I agree. I, f- I find that fascinating because um, I think going back to your earlier question, um, sort of thinking about that more and sort of having a better answer. Um, a big thing that I would definitely say about like video game martial arts and um, real world was when I actually first started doing um, sort of the motions and stuff, one of the comments that I was getting pretty frequently was like, well, you're not throwing your back into it or you're not um, doing like um, right. all of these, you know, maneuvers. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, explain to them, well, if you were to do it exactly like this, then you'd probably twist your back or spine. You'd probably dislocate your shoulder. They're saying, well, <laughs> as authentic. And also, yeah, now think about it. That's definitely something I've, I've um, considered. It's like, okay, when doing the actual recreations, I'm actually doing it more so in a realistic setting and how I'm doing with minimal motions and very, um, okay. One question. Um, you're primarily doing, uh, console games, right? Yes. R- rather than, have you tried any of the virtual reality sword fighter games? I have not, but I'm definitely curious to sort of get the setup in order to start doing that. Okay. Cause I, I had a go, because you know, I, I have friends who, who think it's really amusing that I can do sword stuff, but I can't play computer games for shit. So, so whenever there's a computer game and, and you know a, a virtual reality game or whatever that comes out, and a friend of mine who happens to have it goes, "Ah, guy, we've got to get you playing this." So I've had a go at some of them, and Beat Saber was just fun. Nothing really related to swords, but it was good fun. But there was one which was, took place in an arena, and it was the weirdest thing because it was a bit like actually fighting with a sword, but there's no sense of contact with the opponent. There's nothing stopping your sword when you strike as, as if they parry your sword to get stopped or if it stops in their bones or what have you. Mm-hmm. But, and I was moving around much, much, much more than the game really wanted me to. I kept going out of the area because, well, you would. You, you <laughs> and, would. <laughs> and, and, and then after a, not much time, not much time doing it. I had to like just yank the headset off and sit down 
because I was about to throw up from the motion sickness mm-hmm. because my brain just got fed up with what I'm seeing completely not matching what my body is feeling in terms of what gravity is doing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I just, I, I had to stop. I just couldn't, I just couldn't continue because I was just, I just felt ill. Um, which, which doesn't, doesn't bode well, I think for, for these games sort of in the wider world and certainly as training tools. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would love to see a computer game that actually works as a training tool. So what would, what do you think would be the closest game you've tried that you know, if, if you wanted to recommend a game to somebody as, yes, okay, it's a computer game, so it's never going to be accurate, but of the bunch, this is probably the best, what one would you go for? Um, <laughs> it's really hard to say um, which one I think is the best because I feel like some of them take elements of certain things and some of them like forego certain elements. Um, I'll definitely say a game like For Honor, which trains you to um, react and respond to mix-up. Because in that game, there's a lot of feints. So sort of, okay, I'm going to go for um, a high attack, but I fainted into a mid-attack. So there's a lot of that sort of dynamic, as well as, okay, can you react to um, parry or block in certain directions? I like that for that aspect. But then some games, like I know, um, it's like, I think it's Chivalry. Um, mm-hmm. where they sort of incorporate more um, things like Morthouse or half-sorting and stuff. But it looks a little more goofy because it's um, people can do ridiculous things like spin around with um, their um, mouse and stuff. So, Okay. I can't really say which ones are the best. Um, I'm Again, just, just being um, perfectly honest, I only, I'm only working with a limited amount of games right now, but I definitely want to look into um, broadening my horizons and what I'm looking at so I can actually... Um, answer that question better but yeah i'm sorry i guess pretty small right now it's it's probably like the you know i always get asked so what's the best sword then which is kind of a silly question and i just asked you the equivalent of that same silly question so sorry about that that was that was a crap question um okay so what effect has this epidemic really had on your training I know that the U.S. is is really struggling at the moment. Oh, you tell me about it. But um, big thing that I would say that it's affected is the um one-on-one um say sparring matches or just um sort of working on the biomechanics in person. It's definitely taking a big hit. I'm trying to work with more people to you know do something as as safely as possible for what's going on. But it's definitely been really rough with that because definitely looking at biomechanics and sort of, okay, how does your body react under this sort of pressure? That's definitely something you can't do um, with social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although, you know, the sword is like four feet long. So, you know, you you don't have to get that close to do horrible Mm -hmm. damage. Um, Okay. So, all right. This is a standard question I ask. Uh, pretty much everyone who comes on the show uh, because most people have a a really interesting answer to this. So take it wherever you like. What is the best idea you've never acted on? The best idea I've never acted on. Yeah. Hmm. So is this kind of like a, like a dream aspiration that you always wanted to do, but never really um, taken it anywhere? You can interpret the question however you like. That's part of it. Okay. Um, so 
This is going to throw an, like an absolute curveball sort of how to respond to it. That's right. The best idea that I think that I've never done that, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so I'm not um, asking it how you were asking it, but was, right. the best idea is, um, so like, let me just give some background sort of just where I'm coming from from this. So even though I've been studying HEMA pretty recently relative to like my whole lifespan, I would say, um, the thing that I've been studying for all of my life is paleontology and um, dinosaurs, as well as prehistoric. Oh, so part, okay. of the, part of the name Knight of Green, the green part comes from sort of this love for biology and the life sciences. Ah, I was going to ask you where, where the Knight comes from, where the, where the Knight of Green sort of name comes from, and you just went there without me even asking you. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the green aspect... Um, well, it's a, it's a it's a little bit more. It's 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 three parts, I would say. Um, the first part, the main part, is the love of life science, biology, mm -hmm. environmental science, and um, that type of thing. Um, so the second bit is um, I have some Irish in me. It's not like a lot of great grandmother side, so it's like yeah, I guess Irish. That's color associated with that. And also, um, I was lucky enough to get green eyes from that side of the family. <laughs> Okay, it's that is a three pronged approach there, but um, All right. so but to answer the, your uh, question, just giving background. So, um, life science—that's where my actual like um schooling and background is. So, okay, um, the best idea that I always wanted to incorporate was um to create some sort of fantasy um book that sort of had I guess a blend of prehistoric elements, so say dinosaur inspired like creatures and um, human-inspired combat or, um, like, storylines, like, sort of, say, so, but taking um, backgrounds from both and sort of making, like, some sort of weird, <laughs> somewhat realistic base fantasy type of setting. So I would say that's, to answer that question on thing that I haven't acted on, but that's probably the best idea I could probably think of. <laughs> so so uh, a novel with dinosaurs and longswords. Yes. Like, that's that's absolutely ludicrous as that sounds. <laughs> that, that, that sounds. That sounds fantastic. I have a friend called Martin Page who's written um, some fantasy-type novels which have tanks and longswords and sort of magical armor and stuff. And it's ab they're absolutely brilliant. So mm -hmm. so if, if Martin can put tanks and longswords together, I think dinosaurs and longswords isn't such a stretch. And, you know, we've got fantasy. You know, what are dragons if not sort of kind of dinosaurish type creatures. So, mm -hmm. so what sort of dinosaurs would you have? Um, see, the thing that I would definitely do if I would have dinosaurs in these types of things, um, I would think about, okay, well, what type of dinosaurs would be the most analogous to things that you would see in, um, like, like looking at like ancient Romans and like war elephants okay. or stuff like that. So yeah. what would be like the most uh, analogous creatures to certain things? So, I was also thinking about um, playing on things like, okay, biological warfare and how there's certain dinosaur species that have venomous bites from certain fossil records. So playing with, okay, introducing things that um, that people may not be so aware of as sort of the dinosaur um, like biology. So people are like, oh, I didn't know some dinosaurs had these types of venomous bites or these abilities and sort of mm -hmm. um, incorporating <laughs> and applying them to how they would have been I guess, like, so if I were a Roman and I had a Triceratops and I thought to myself, well, this would be a um, shock infantry type of uh, troop yeah. just run through. So, um, and sort of what dinosaurs would I would um, consider? Um, 
So with elephants, I would say something like a triceratops or any like ceratops, which are just pretty much um the four-legged. Um, we have horns on, or like some torpo, um, with some type of shield protrusion on our head. We just ram into things. Um, that would be like an analog, um, analogous, analogous to like say a war elephant or something that like I don't know something as generic as say like a large um, dromaeosaur, which are you know velociraptors. Velociraptors aren't big, but Sort of the idea of um, like raptors that you see in Jurassic Park and have that as sort of a mount. But, okay. Yeah. Um. I would say with that, I'm not very sure if I'm going to take it like as actual like real dinosaurs for that, or if I'll just like have sort of like more fantasy elements. So sort of like taking the inspiration from them and making them more fit. Because um, funnily enough, most dinosaurs um, they're actually relatively light compared to how you would think they were for their size. So really? it's pretty flimsy, realistically. Like okay. sending an ostrich out to a fight. So, you know, <laughs> well, I've actually seen an ostrich race in real life. So I know that they can be ridden by very little people. I think it was like seven-year-old boys who were riding them. Yeah, um, like yeah, you wouldn't have a fully armored um, person in. No. no. <laughs> 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 you know, it's some realism taken into consideration, but um, yeah, dinosaurs are pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty. I wouldn't say they're pretty flimsy, but <laughs> sure, we need sure. to in the context of the story a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's really, sorry. The great thing about writing fiction, if you've got sort of dinosaurs in it and and people interacting with dinosaurs, mm-hmm. right? You have a get out of jail free card. It's clearly not realistic fiction. So you can do what you want. Um, so yeah, you have a yeah. You can you can let your imagination run, run wild. <laughs> well, I must say, okay, if you if you if you actually write the book, you got to let me know, and I will I will read it, and you can come back on the podcast and tell everybody about it because it sounds fascinating. Yes, um, I'm definitely getting things together for it if I'm actually want to go full through with it. But <laughs> okay, okay. Now my last question. Uh, is somebody gave you a million dollars with which to improve historical martial arts and you can interpret that however you like, what would you do with that money? How would you spend it? Um, this might take a little bit more than a million dollars, but, um, okay. That's what everybody says, it's like, come on, it's a lot of, money. everybody says, well, actually I have this idea, but I'd need, I'd need like a hundred million. Is that all right? Yeah. You can have as much. Okay, you can have as much imaginary money as you want. Go ahead. See, this is, okay, this is going to sound weird, but, like, it definitely is going to be something that I, I would think, like, if I had the budget to do this. So um, I was talking with um, the ninja friend, or uh, I, I should say the NIMPO uh, practitioner. Um, yeah. I was, we were talking about this idea of imagine making a movie yeah. Um, where so imagine like a Mad Max type of scenario where it's like a very um, desolate, um, the worlds have been in a bad shape type of thing, and so in order to deal with things like overpopulation or somewhat like scarcity of resources, people um, do it's it's very similar to the Purge, except instead of how the Purge is just law, lawlessness, if somebody is caught for any crime or for anything, if they if they're accused of a crime, they're essentially put on um, death row but death row is instead of it being like you know you're just waiting to get an injection or uh electric shot whatever instead of waiting for that you're actually um given two years to train in a martial art um 
say, for yeah. example, if you want to do like longsword things, like something within, like there has to be boundaries. Because I mean, I would imagine people would just say, okay, well, you can't. Well, I'm just take a gun and shoot everybody. But you know, sort of bring back a sort of gladiatorial uh, aspect to it. So it's sort of for entertainment. Okay. So it's it's kind of like a. Okay, let me, let me backtrack. It's so a movie that sort of um, shows off some of the things that different um, like sword-based martial arts or like weapon-based martial arts can do and sort of frame the context of, well, it's gladiatorial so people can be brutal. So it's a little bit like Hunger Games. Um, I would say similar to Hunger Games, except um, Hunger Games didn't really focus more so on the martial arts, just kind of like the whole dynamic of pleasing the crowd and getting i mean i'm not saying that that's that's a that's definitely a good like um comparison but sort of the focus on um both i would say the training parts so like what are like the core aspects of martial arts so like say someone like there would be like three characters and they're going through like a journey and someone's telling me well this martial art focuses on sort of move like moving with as little motion as possible in order to defeat someone um with relative little loss of stamina and then sort of going through, like, the basic mentality, sort of, it both, you know, it's just still fictitious in terms of, like, people can be over-exaggerating in fights, but still have a degree of realism for the mentality, so if people were interested in learning about those specifics, they can be like, huh, you know, this is what this can do, this is what their philosophy, this is where the, or, like, you know, some sort of backstory with it, in, in sort of, like, it, it expresses the realistic aspects of these martial arts, and so people can want to get into it, so that's where, if I were to have that type of money to make it a project that appreciates martial arts and also can show off what it can do. Well, I, I have a deal for you. I will let you have a hundred million imaginary dollars. If you let the Fiori guy win in the end. <laughs> <laughs> see, <laughs> see, I would love for the Fiori guy to win, but like <laughs> I'm debating on like, Okay, because, like, I know some martial arts have, like, a lot of different variations. So, like, with Longsword, we have um, Lichtenhauer and Fiori. So, yeah. definitely trying to balance out, like, okay, so which schools do we want to look at? Or, like, you know, do we want to do, like, a, 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 a Maj pit of, like, the school? So, like, take, like, the core ideas and sort of blend it into, like, this imaginary thing and sort of, like, reference that, you know, it comes from these different things. So, I'm still thinking about that. But if I were to have that type of money to do that, an appreciation film, but, like, you know it's still going to be like a gladiatory, like, oh, who's going to get killed off next and like how the fight's going to look. Sure. So okay. and, and it'd be really interesting to showcase different, really different fighting styles. A bit like Bloodsport. Remember the Jean-Claude Van Damme yes. movie? Yes, from yes, yes. A bit like that, yes. But Bloodsport with swords. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting use of the money. Okay, yeah, a million dollars wouldn't be nearly enough. Um, <laughs> but but maybe, maybe you should write the script for that rather than rather than your dinosaurs book. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shoot, incorporate dinosaurs as like a background character. <laughs> I think that would be. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, have a mashup. Why not? Okay, might as well might as well go all out in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although the budget for dinosaurs is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot bigger than the budget for people. People. Yeah, they're they're apparently quite cheap to to you know to hire, yeah. but dinosaurs are really expensive to do well. The CGI on that, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, this 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 definitely was went in in directions I was not anticipating. I did not realize we'd be talking about dinosaurs today, but it's been very very interesting talking to you, Kurt. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, anytime, and um, definitely um, if you 
since you have connections with people who work on um like video game stuff and sort of bringing mm-hmm. some like HEMA stuff, um, I definitely would want to look into um working with it. And I know your experience was like it was pretty like oh well they you know they don't want to um, have it too realistic, but I definitely want to see how that looks myself as well because that's definitely something I'm curious about to see what type of experience okay. you're from it. Uh, I don't know if they're open for more people doing that, but uh, I was that that project died a death sadly and it was quite a long time ago but yeah. um I shall, I shall certainly keep my eye open for such things okay thank you okay oh and where should people go if they want to find you on the internet to either say hello or watch your stuff um the best places to really find me would be on youtube uh which is the night of green um and on on that channel it's links to my twitter and instagram so those are definitely places to if you want to like um, DM me about different questions or to um, hook up because one thing that I'm definitely working on is since I'm not really like a big, big channel right now is I wanted to collab with people who have um, more um, specialties in different areas because, you know, I'm not, again, my take on HEMA is I haven't really been doing it physically for too long. So I definitely want to talk to people who've been doing it for far longer than me because I'm not going to act like I'm a super expert on it. <laughs> But I definitely want to talk to people who have more background in that, as well as people who um, have things like, say, animation experience or um, things with, like, film editing and stuff, because I definitely want to, um, at least with the goal of the channel, I definitely want to bring the production up, because it's literally just me in my backyard swinging sticks and swords. But, um, you know, I mean, I definitely envisioned myself, if I got big, to do, like, live action, like, say, for example, like, boss fights and, like, recreating that and sort of, like, with costumes and sets and stuff. Oh, that, cool. That's where I'm going. So definitely um, Twitter, Instagram for DMs for collabs and sort of helping with growth. That's just where I'm at right now. Brilliant. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much, Kirk. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yep. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Kirk, the Knight of Green. Remember to go along to guywindsor.net forward slash podcast for your free copy of Sword Fighting for Writers, Game Designers and Martial Artists. And if you've enjoyed the show, please also go along to patreon.com forward slash the sword guy and throw us a few bucks to help us keep the microphones switched on. Remember to tune in next week where I'll be talking to Robin Allman about all things longsword and fencing and so on. So subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from and I will see you next week. Cheerio.